Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am Alyssa Gray, and today we'll be studying Erevin Daf Chavbet, Erevin page 22. Toward the bottom of 22a, we read in the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef conveyed a tradition in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Before getting into the substance of the tradition itself, I'd like to say a word about Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef and the group of scholars of which he's a member. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef is one of a group of scholars that the Bavli calls the Nechote. Nechote is an Aramaic plural noun, a translation of the Hebrew yordim, meaning those who descend. The reference is to those who leave the land of Israel and thereby descend from a place of greater holiness to a place of lesser holiness. The Nechote are portrayed as moving between the land of Israel and Bavel, conveying rabbinic traditions. And indeed, we see right here that Rabbi Yitzchak bar Yosef is transmitting a tradition of the leading and venerable scholar of the land of Israel, Rabbi Yochanan. And the tradition reads as follows. Eretz Yisrael, ein chayavin aleha mishum rishut harabim. As to the land of Israel, people are not liable on account of Rishut HaRabim. That is, people will not be liable if they carry on Shabbat in Rishut HaRabim. Now, Rabbi Yochanan's tradition is interesting and not a little ambiguous. What exactly does he mean? Does Rabbi Yochanan mean to say that there is such a thing as Rishut HaRabim in the land of Israel, but that for some reason people are not liable if they carry within it, or does he mean to say something more radical, namely that there is no such thing as Rishut HaRabim in the land of Israel? Well, we shall see. The Gemara goes on to say that another one of these Nechote scholars named Rabdimi was sitting and repeating over Rabbi Yochanan's tradition. The Babylonian scholar Abaye overhears him, and the tradition presumably piques Abaye's interest because he asks Rabdimi about it. And Abaye begins by testing the radical interpretation of Rabbi Yochanan's statement. And as we shall see, Abaye ends up by suggesting the more moderate interpretation of Rabbi Yochanan's statement. So Abaye begins as follows. He says, basically, what's going on here? Does Rabbi Yochanan mean to say that because the land of Israel is surrounded by natural boundaries, natural barriers, there is the so-called Sulma de Tzur, the ladder of Tzur, or what we today call Rosh HaNikra in northwest Israel on the one side, and the Machtana de Gader, the slopes of Gader, which go down to the Kinneret Sea on the other. Does Rabbi Yochanan mean to say that because of these natural boundaries, there is no Rishut HaRabim in the land of Israel? Well, if so, why stop there? There shouldn't then be Rishut HaRabim in Bavel in Babylonia either, because Talmudic Babylonia is bounded on the one side by the Euphrates River and on the other side by the Tigris River. 
And for that matter, why stop there? The great ocean, Okeanos, goes all over the world. It divides land masses. It constitutes a natural barrier. So in that case, there shouldn't be a concept of Rishut HaRabim anywhere at all in the world. Rather, says Abaye, that can't be what Rabbi Yochanan meant. Dilma ma'alot umordot ka'amrat? Perhaps what Rabbi Yochanan meant was that there's a particular type of Rishut HaRabim. Yes, there is public domain, but there's a particular type of Rishut HaRabim as to which people are not liable if they carry within it on Shabbat. And perhaps that type of Rishut HaRabim are the Ma'alot and the Mordot. The Ma'alot, the ascents, very steep inclines, thoroughfares that are very difficult to traverse, and the mordot, the descents, very steep declines, thoroughfares again that are very difficult to traverse. Perhaps, suggests Abaye, it is those types of Rishut HaRabim that Rabbi Yochanan had in mind when he said people in the land of Israel are not liable for carrying within the public domain. At this point, Rav Dimi brightens up and basically congratulates Abaye for correctly interpreting Rabbi Yochanan's statement. The Gemara then moves on in a way which is characteristic of what we find when we are dealing with these Nechote scholars. The Bavli moves on to present a tradition of the Nechote scholar Rabin. Rabin represents Rabbi Yochanan's tradition, but he presents it in an amended form. He presents Rabbi Yochanan's tradition in a form that takes into account the discussion we've had up to this point. Ki'ata Rabin ama Rabbi Yochanan, when Rabin came, meaning he came from the land of Israel, he said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, and then the Gemara does have an alternate uh, name of a transmitter, Ma'alot umordot sheba'eretz Yisrael, the ascents and descents in the land of Israel, these very difficult, hard to traverse public thoroughfares in the land of Israel, People are not liable as to them on account of Rishut HaRabim because they are not like the banners in the desert. Banners in the desert refers to Israel's travels in the desert after leaving the land of Egypt. The characteristic of a desert is that it is flat. There are no ma'alot no steep, difficult-to-traverse inclines, and no more dot, no steep, difficult-to-traverse declines. Notwithstanding any difficulties one might have uh, traversing sand, the desert is flat. So the point is, again, that Rabbi Yochanan limited his tradition to the ma'alot umordot. As to those thoroughfares, public as they are, people will not be liable for carrying within them on Shabbat because they are extremely inconvenient and difficult. People will only be liable for carrying in public domains on Shabbat that are like a midbar, that are flat and easy to traverse. The Bavli is very consistent about this understanding. Towards the bottom of 22b, at the end of a lengthy discussion between the Babylonian scholars Rava and Rechava, we're told that Yehoshua, the biblical Joshua, ohev Yisrael haya. He was a lover of the people Israel. Well, how did this manifest itself? 
Call hecha denicha tashmishta. Any situation in which uh, the use of a place was easy or convenient, misara lorabim. He conveyed it to the public, meaning he declared it rishut harabim. If it was easy to traverse, easy to navigate, he declared that rishut harabim so that people who carried within it would be liable on Shabbat. Call hecha dala nicha tashmishta. But in any place that was not convenient to use, that was not easy to traverse, misara liyachid, he conveyed it to the individual. Not literally. The place would still literally be public space, but Joshua considered it as if it was private space, so that people who carried within it on Shabbat would not be liable. Again, it really was public space, but because of the difficulty and inconvenience of using the space, Joshua declared that people would not be liable for carrying within that space. Now, there is a connection between our daf here on daf chaf bet, page 22 in Bavli Erevin, and a discussion in the Talmud Yerushalmi, the Talmud of the Land of Israel, to Masechet Erevin. That should not be surprising. Given the clustering of these Nechote scholars in this sugya, it's really not surprising at all that there is a discussion in the land of Israel that touches some of these issues. And as I will suggest, it's possible that it touches them uh, in a close way. In chapter 8 of Yerushalmi Erevin, we see the scholar Reish Lakish who is presented frequently as a bar plugta, or a partner in dispute of Rabbi Yochanan, and Reish Lakish there expresses the view rather strongly that there is, in fact, no Rishut HaRabim. There is no Rishut HaRabim in the world. According to Reish Lakish, in order really to have Rishut HaRabim, there cannot be natural barriers at all. Now, the Talmud Yerushalmi there does raise a question on Reish Lakish. They raise a contrary source uh, from a Mishnah in Masechet Toharot. But what's very interesting is that the Talmud Yerushalmi is essentially content to leave things the way they are. Reish Lakish's very strong statement is allowed to stand. Yes, a contradictory source is raised that challenges his statement, but the Yerushalmi makes no attempt to resolve the contradiction. They make no attempt to nuance Reish Lakish, to have Reish Lakish respond to the statement. They basically leave his strong statement and the contrary source both coexisting within the same sugya unresolved. I suggest that the Bavli here on Daf Chaf Bet is attempting to do what the Yerushalmi did not. The Bavli is aware that the view that there really is no such thing as Rishut HaRabim in the world is a very difficult position to hold. The Bavli is aware of this, and the Bavli moves through the logic, interrogates the statement, and comes out with the view that yes, there is Rishut HaRabim, but perhaps there are situations, types of Rishut HaRabim, that do not trigger liability uh, when people carry within them on Shabbat. So perhaps in some small way, our sugya here on Erev and Dav Chaf Bet is the Bavli's attempt to do more successfully what the Yerushalmi left undone. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently. 
and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify. <laughs>